My name is Pastor Mike Landsman, and this is the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ. This podcast is taken from my weekly Sunday morning sermons. I pray that as you listen to them, they will be a blessing to you and strengthen you in your walk with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's what we have for today. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. As I was coming up the stairs uh, before worship began, Steve grabbed me in the hallway and he said, I see we're going full Roman Catholic today. And I said, kind of, not really. So those of you with Roman Catholic backgrounds may appreciate uh, the sermon and the readings from Scripture this morning, maybe more than some of us who were not brought up uh, in in the Roman Catholic Church. And I say this today because today, well, it's actually tomorrow, but because it's tomorrow, it's next to Sunday, so you can commemorate it on on Sunday. But uh, the feast of what the, the... the Roman Catholic, our Roman Catholic brothers and sisters, they call the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And in Western Roman Catholic theology, they believe that the Blessed Virgin did not die. But like other figures in the Bible, like you know, Enoch and Elijah, similar to that, was taken directly into heaven. Our Eastern Christian brothers and sisters are commemorating the Dormition of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Because in Eastern theology... Christian theology, they believe that she did die, but immediately upon her death, her body was not found, having been received into heaven. Kind of similar to how, like, Moses kind of goes missing at the end of Deuteronomy, right? He dies, and then it says they didn't know where his body was because God took him. But due to us being inheritors of the Reformation, many Western Christian churches have chosen simply to celebrate this day, not as the Assumption or the Dormition, but simply the Feast of St. Mary, the mother of our Lord Jesus Christ. And today, the words of the prophet Isaiah are put on her lips. And we're going to talk this morning about Mary in the garments of salvation. And we'll be preaching mostly from Isaiah 61, verses 10 through 11. Contextually, if we back up to the beginning of this chapter... Chapter 61, verse 1. It begins with a passage that most of us will already be familiar with, having heard it in the Gospels. Isaiah 61, verse two, uh, 1 says to 2a, says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is the passage that Jesus reads when he preached in the synagogue following his baptism in the Jordan River and his temptation in the wilderness, as seen in the gospel according to St. Luke chapters 3 and 4. Jesus leaves out the verse from Isaiah that references the day of vengeance of our God, showing that the year of favor, not an actual year, 365 days, but indicating a period of time where God's saving acts will be seen and extended to his people. And if you want to talk more about days and years as being symbolic of large periods of time, come join us on Wednesday nights for our Revelation class. I think you will like it. And what's happening here in this Isaiah text may have references to the year of Jubilee from Leviticus chapter 25, where any land that was sold or lost would be returned to its original owners every 50 years. 
This was so equity could reign in the land. Jesus is here to do exactly this and redeem humanity from sin and from death. But we can also see the words of this chapter 61 applied to others as well. And that's part of the beauty of Scripture is that the Holy Scriptures are multivocalic. And they speak to us in many different ways, but always circling the orbit of the crucified and risen Son of God. Keeping in mind that the year of the Lord's favor is in view, we can turn to the portion from today's reading. And you may have asked yourself, if the first portion that we heard, uh, that I just read from uh, verses 1 through 2, if this is speaking of Jesus, and Jesus takes this upon his own lips to say that God's saving acts have begun among you in me, then why would the part read this morning refer to his mother? Verses 10 and 11. Isaiah 61, 10 says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God. Now think back to the reading from Luke's gospel that we just heard a few moments ago. Chapter 1, verse 46, where she says, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. We see here the words that are part of the words of the Messiah's message to his people through the prophet Isaiah. Applied in a little bit of a different way because we see coming from her own lips the words of the prophet spoken so long ago. The common theme in these verses is the soul of the speaker rejoicing and magnifying God. And when we continue on, we see explicated in Luke what is laid out by Isaiah. When Isaiah references the the Lord causing righteousness and praise to sprout up like a bloom, which we see here in uh, verse 11. This is a reference to his justice. To his justice. And then in the lips of, from the lips of Mary that we just heard read in Luke's gospel, we see what that justice looks like in action. What that looks like in action. Mary says that God has scattered the proud. Mary says that God has exalted the humble. Mary says, references both herself and those who remain faithful to God, who await the Messiah, the consolation of Israel. She says that the hungry have been given good things to eat. She says the rich have been sent away with nothing. She says that God will fulfill his promise to Israel. And she says all this. She sings all this. The Magnificat. In response to what the angel of the Lord has told her. Locating all of this action. In what God has done in her and what God will do through her. And we can see in this language here why our more traditional brothers and sisters of the Western and Eastern churches have, to come, have come to some of the, the theological conclusions that they, that they have about Mary that we don't necessarily hold to. 
But it's not something that I think we can jettison wholesale because the implications these verses draw out for us may sound stranger than what we'd like. And so I think it's important today that we acknowledge on the church calendar, and, and you've, you've seen us do this, right? We've been doing this for a very long time since I've been here. A few Sundays ago, we commemorated the Feast of St. James, and today is the Feast of Mary, the Mother of the Lord. And we'll continue to do this throughout the Christian year on major days of, 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 of celebration of the Holy Ones who have, who have lived and gone before us. But we do this because... Their lives and their stories still speak to us. We do this because they are part of the body of Christ. We do this because even though they are not present here with us, they are present with the Lord. We do this because their obedience to God, their yes to God, their being used by God for God's purposes continues to speak to us in our own day and time. And in verse 10, the prophet Isaiah says that, well, I think Mary saying this, like clothed with the garments of salvation, right? That God has clothed her with the garments of salvation. So I ask you this question, brothers and sisters, who is the garment of salvation? Well, the answer to that question is Christ. Christ is the garment of salvation. She has been clothed in Christ. She bore Christ in her, and she is clothed in him. St. Paul uses very similar language in the epistles when he talks about the Christian's relationship to Christ. He talks about Christ in you, the hope of glory. But then he also uses this language in Galatians that those who have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ like a garment. We have a reference here to the robes of righteousness. Robes of righteousness. And righteousness is not merely a, a, a declaration of, 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 of innocence or guilt, right, in, in a court of law. Righteousness is participation in God's own life, given to us as a free gift of his grace. What's interesting is, I think, is that these words also, these examples attributed to her, are also attributable to the church, attributable totally to the church as well. Because we, in the church, we are clothed in garments of salvation. We have been given robes of righteousness. We have been clothed in Christ. We have been justified by faith. We have peace with God. That God's own life is, is in us the, the spirit, right, given to us, and that we have been united to God through Christ. We are clothed in his garments. We are clothed in robes of righteousness. And you may not see it. You might be wearing a tie like me. You might be wearing a button-up shirt. You might be wearing a robe. You might be wearing a T-shirt, whatever. You might be wearing jeans or khakis or whatever. You might not see it if you were to look in the mirror. But if you looked in the mirror with the eyes of the Spirit, you would see yourself clothed in Christ. The way this preaching robe wraps around me. Christ is wrapped around you.
And God's justice, God's bringing right, making right everything that's gone wrong, begins with us being clothed in the garments of salvation and the robes of righteousness. And God, in this reading from Isaiah, says that God causes the praise to spring up because of his righteousness, because of his acts of salvation, right? So Mary's own song to God becomes our own song to God. And indeed, we offer up our own songs to God as well in response to what he has done for us. And since today on the calendar is the commemoration of her death, then we can think about this as well. In her own death, whether you believe that she was assumed bodily into heaven or whether you believe that she died and then was immediately brought to heaven or even if you believe that she just died like an, like just died and was buried in a tomb like another person i think what's important to note about that is that god draws her to his side god draws her to his side and that's important for us too because st paul says in his epistle to the Philippians, he says, to be absent from the body is to be what? Present with the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So when we as Christians, when we die, we are received as well. We are received as well. And let me tell you something. She's awaiting the same thing that we're all awaiting. She's awaiting the resurrection of the dead. And that's something all of us are waiting for as well as Christians. Uh, Paul says in Romans, you know, that that the, the spirit groans with cries that are unutterable. Longingly awaiting and praying for the redemption of our bodies. The resurrection. And one day... All of us who have been clothed in Christ, who have received the robes of righteousness, will live in blessed union with God, fully realized, and not just in part. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Thanks for listening to the podcast from Zion's Stone Church. We're in the middle of a building repair campaign, and if you'd like to help, please go to www.gofundme.com slash Zion's Stone Church Repair Fund. We'd appreciate anything you'd be able to donate. If you're ever in the area, you're always welcome to worship with us on Sunday mornings at 10.15 a.m. God bless you.